Welcome to the podcast, A Moon in the Dark, with Ellen Blake. The emperor of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus, talked about himself as the son of God. He was a man trying to become a god, but little did he know the real god was about to become a man. While Caesar Augustus was making history, the god of the universe was about to split history in two. While Caesar Augustus lived in luxury and power, the real Son of God left all luxury to become a dependent, vulnerable infant in the lowliest place imaginable. We all have lots of choices for pharmacies all around us, but I want you to check out Wynn's Pharmacy on 8th Street in Griffin. The small town pharmacy feeling can really make a difference whether you're looking for something for yourself or someone else. Check them out at winspharmacy.net. I'm so thankful today to be here with my husband and my three sons all together. Whoop, whoop. Good to be here with you. Uh, Daniel, John and David, and Otis. Um, just thrilled to be together. So I want to take just a second. Um, I think you already know Otis is my awesome husband. Good to be here. Um, Daniel, tell us just a little bit about where you are, what you're doing. I'm Daniel. I am 24, about to be 25, living in Atlanta, doing business consulting stuff. Okay. John? And I'm John. I'm a freshman at the University of Georgia. And I am David. Um, I'm 16, and I am a junior in high school. Well, thanks, guys, for your time and for being here today. Um, We have seen John the Baptist be born, and now this is the moment we've all been waiting for. We're in Luke 2, and we're going to concentrate right now on verses 1 through 7. David's going to read. Take it away. Yes, so, now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all the people were on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was pregnant. While they were there, and the time came for, the, for, the, for her to give birth, she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Mm. What we know is that they went up from Galilee, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is up. Right next to Jerusalem. Yeah, it's really close to Jerusalem. And we don't know how far along she was. We don't know why he brought her with, you know, with him. How, if he, they thought they were going to get back in time for her to have birth in Nazareth. We don't know if Mary and Joseph knew what God was up to of him being born in Bethlehem. We just know that it, was, it must have been a hard ride. It was about 80 miles. It wasn't easy. And while they were there, when they were there to register for the census, the time came for her to give birth. We don't know if they were there an extended period, if the, the census took a long time. We know that it, the, it was crowded in Bethlehem because all mm. the relatives, all the clan of David were there. It's a small, small town. So when it says there was no room in the inn, it was really just there was no guest room, no room available at all. They didn't have an inn like we would think of. No Motel 6 or something. Right. So uh, we don't know if it was a cave 
or a stable. We just know that he was born where the animals are, that this was the lowliest situation that they could have. In the feeding trough. Yes. So it's a very, very simple story here that Luke is telling us. So what do we see that's going on? What do we see about God? What's going on What that y'all are seeing here? Well, I see that uh, God is obviously in control. He has a plan. Um, his plan is for Jesus to be born in Bethlehem. And he's going to use whatever he wants to get to make that come true. Maybe Joseph and Mary had a plan to have um, their child with their family in Nazareth. But God wanted in Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecies of Micah, um, where like the Son of God was going to be born in the city of David. So he uses the emperor, um, someone who all the Jews hated. Um, he, he used him to, to make a decree so that everyone had to go to their hometown. So Joseph had to go to Bethlehem. So Jesus had to be born there in the city of David. And I think it's just so cool how, how God is so contrary, which is he's like completely opposite of of what we um, think he should be or what we expect. The Caesar Augustus is just crazy. He uses people that we wouldn't expect, um, someone that no one likes, and he places them in somewhere that like no one would even think of to have a baby born in a manger. Um, that's just crazy. And also, um, Luke, he uses, um, he, he appeals to our, our logical sense of, of putting in all of these trackable and real people that we can verify that are true and on these these places that if Luke were to make it up or the, the gospel were to be fake and all this is just fraud, they would not have put in all these crazy things and also verifiable things into the story. So that just, that stands out to me. Yeah, David, great points. I just love that as, as you talk about Caesar Augustus being the one making this decree, God is the one overall that is uh, is making these things happen in the manner he wants to. One of the things that we know about Caesar Augustus is that the favorite title that he had for himself was Divifilius, or son of a god. His great uncle Julius Caesar, who uh, adopted him, was uh, declared himself as a god. And so Caesar Augustus um, is claiming himself to be the son of, of God. Um, and what he, when he thought he was orchestrating a, a tally of the extent of his might through this census, God was really orchestrating it to bring about the birth of the true Son of God in the extent, exact way that it was foretold. Um, I love that Jesus is is really the that Son of God that's coming in, and God's really the one in control. And what gives me that sense of peace is that even like the greatest rulers of all time, God is really the King of Kings and is orchestrating in His hands even their decrees and what they're doing. Yeah, Daniel, and in that perfect timing that God orchestrated. He brought about the Pax Romana, this Roman peace that God allowed this pagan emperor to achieve. And it was basically a borderless uh, known world in which there was no restriction of travel and these great Roman roads that would later be used to transport the gospel around the whole world with free travel. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I see in verse six, the time came for her to give birth. And it, it reminds me of Galatians 4, 4 that talks about in the fullness of time, God brought Jesus to earth as a baby. And part of that fullness of time is what you said, that it was set up by the Rome. The Roman government was set up. The whole scene was set up, including crucifixion would be one of the worst forms of torture. Yeah. And the Romans mm-hmm. invented that. Yeah, it, it reminds me of like the butterfly effect where um, one little little person would flap the little butterfly wings to to set something else in motion that God uses to 
just create a chain effect to make his plan come through. It's really mm-hmm. cool. All the puzzle pieces fitting together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God's behind it all. Wraith little Another thing matters. Another thing about this, um, the fullness of time would be that the culture and civilization and all of the, the images that are in the law, the Mosaic law and the, the culture of the Hebrews allows for this shelf space for the Messiah and basically allows for Jesus to come in and fulfill all of what has already been set up. And I think that definitely has to do with God's fullness of time and, and like it is ripe now for the Messiah to come. It's almost like, why didn't Jesus come right after the Garden of Eden? You know, mm-hmm. why this whole waiting period of the Old Testament when you're saying all of those to... things through Moses and the prophets is creating like a, a shelf space for us to, and the people to understand mm. who Jesus is and why he's coming. He's being the most obvious that he possibly can while still shrouding this truth and this, this most important truth of the gospel in mystery, which makes it so that when we freely choose him, it is out of love and not him you know, forcing us totally obvious. And yes, exactly. Yeah. I love that. And one of those things, as uh, David mentioned, the prophecy from Micah earlier, uh, I want to read that real quick because that's really what a lot of this is hinging on is, is God wanting this to happen in a specific place for a specific reason. Uh, so this is My- Micah 5, 2 through 5. It says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are, the s- are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord is God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. So we see, I mean, this was hundreds of years before this whole thing event happened. Um, Bethlehem Ephrathah, there are two Bethlehems, one in the northern part of Israel and one in the southern part in Judah. And this is specifically speaking of the southern one outside of Jerusalem and saying, hey, specifically, this is where this one who is going to bring peace to the whole earth, who's going to be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, the Messiah is coming here. How ironic that God used Caesar Augustus to bring earthly peace such that heavenly peace and spiritual peace could be achieved in a completely unbeknownst to this tyrant. In a really contrary way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, really, it was called the Pax Romana, in his mind, he had created peace by conquering everyone, but all the people were suffering oppression. They couldn't speak against Caesar. So they really didn't have peace, true peace. And this peace you're speaking of here is personal peace and peace with God. And, and it's found in a person. He will be their peace. And that's a theme we've seen, that he will guide our feet into the path of peace and that he is our prince of peace. Mm. And he wants us to know this is a theme he's offering. Speaking of themes, I love the way David and Daniel both mentioned the word contrary. It reminds me of a sermon recently from a beloved friend and Pastor Charlie Chase who mentioned faith in God is believing in his contrariness. And we as humans want things to happen our way. And God operates in a way that is very different from our expectations. And so we see that over and over in the Bible. We see that particularly here where Joseph is taking care of his wife and probably pretty frustrated with how things are going, the timing of such. And it just makes me think of him probably doubting uh, or questioning Gabriel's whole announcement and where she was greeted as one who is highly favored and 
the Lord is with you. And he's kind of wondering, not feeling so much of that favor and not feeling so much that God's with us. I loved earlier y'all, uh, mom and dad talking about what, what they must have been thinking, Mary and Joseph, as it seems like everything isn't going according to plan. This is all happening. There's no room and they're in the cave. What's going through their minds? Um, I'll yeah. how y'all put that. I mean, well, probably thinking, okay, God, if you're God, you could have really changed the whole timing by several months of this census, and that could have made life easier for us. You could have orchestrated things such that there would be a nice, comfortable place to say to stay. We're, we're not feeling very comfortable. We're not feeling very looked after. And wow. I, I really would love, you know, one day, I guess we'll know, but how confused are they? Do they have a clue that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem? Do they, are they aware of that prophecy? And they're thinking, this is really cool. This, no one understands this, but we do. Or are they completely confused? Yeah. And, you know, they don't necessarily know each other very well, right? Like they, they haven't had intimate relations with each other. And she's having a baby. He didn't know her that well. She didn't know him that well. We don't know if anyone was there to help her. This is, you know, animals are everywhere. It's a barn type situation. And, you know, it's terrifying. It's, it's not pretty. And yet, how much were they trusting? And how, I just want to know how much was it confusion? How much was it trust? And it's fascinating because it's just upside down. If I'm Joseph, I'm freaking out. And it seems as though Joseph is, is taking this as in a steady trusting the Lord. Um, we don't see him complaining or uh, and we, we see him trusting in God tells him in a dream, hey, this is, this is what you should do. He steps out and is faithful. Yeah, he just does what God instructed him to do. And there are plenty of examples of people in the Bible who were given a promise by God and things didn't go great according to their expectations, yet they complained or they doubted or they wanted another sign or they went into depression. You think of Gideon or Moses or Elijah and Joseph kept on following what God was leading. And yeah, we're glad he did. You got to be a part of the story. <laughs> yes. As we close w- with this in a manger idea, how, what does that make you think about what God is doing? Yeah. Even with the name of Bethlehem, it means the house of bread. And so Jesus being in this feeding trough at the place called the house of bread, and mm. then later saying that he is the bread of life. I mean, so much of how he will sustain us as um, the Messiah and yeah, he is our peace. Again, I don't know. It's just a lot there that makes me a little excited for who he is for all of us. I'd never thought about that before, that he is in that feeding trough as nourishment for humanity. Yeah. Later, he claims to be the water of life and then the bread of life and tells people, hey, drink of me, eat of me. I'm what you need. I'd never thought about that in the manger before. That's really neat. The very first mm-hmm. place he's placed is a spot to be fed upon. And just, you know, again, the theme, there's no comfort. There's no luxury here. There's not much of anything. It makes me think about how Jesus came for everyone in any situation. Anyone can say that Jesus would understand. All the things that God had had foretold about this baby, even just right in the first chapter of Luke, um, when he tells Mary, hey, this is going to be the person who's going to be called the son of the most high. He's going to have the throne of his father, David. He's going to reign over Israel forever. His throne will never end. Elizabeth calls him Lord. Zechariah calls him the rising sun that's going to shine on those living in darkness. And 
kind of guide our feet into the path of peace, all this buildup, and then to be born in a manger, to be in the dirtiest of the lowest places, the son of God, the king of kings, Lord of lords, prince of peace. And he's showing us who he is, that he's come for the lowest of the low, and he wants to enter into the hardest and dirtiest of places so he can relate to mm-hmm. anyone born anywhere in the world. He's for them just as much as the people born in palaces. Mm. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> Is there any other personal application you want to pull out before we end? I think that, that just again, that he is the bread of life and that he is what sustains us over anything else. And that he wants to be in that position. I'm reminded of Isaiah 55 that says, Come, all who are hungry, come buy and eat. Um, without money and without price. He is free and he is for us. And he is all we need. The end of that Micah prophecy, that all of this is is centering around why are they in Bethlehem? Why is this all happening? Um, I love verse four and five. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. They will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. And so he's our bread of life. He is our prince of peace. We can have peace because God's on the throne and Jesus is sitting at his right hand. And he, and all this will reach the ends of the earth. This is for us just as, as much as it was for them. And we just need to remember to trust God in all things. When things get weird, when things get dirty and uncomfortable, know that God is working it for his plan, for his good, and the good of his kingdom. And we get a benefit in that in the long run. And it's just incredible to be a part of it. Going back to the Gabriel to Gabriel's message to Mary reminds me of Zephaniah three seventeen, in which we could claim that same promise that Gabriel gave to Mary for ourselves. And that's very encouraging. And Zephaniah says, For the Lord your God is with you, he is mighty to save, he will take great delight in you, he will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. So in that, just as Gabriel told Mary, we are, as we trust in God, trust in Jesus, recipients of his favor, and God is with us. So what do we do with that? We walk in faith, and we trust him, no matter what's happening around us. Thank you, guys. This was fun. Let's do it again. Let's do. We'll pick back up with the rest of the story in our next episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good job. See you soon. Whether you need something over-the-counter or a prescription for yourself or someone else, please check out Wins Pharmacy on 8th Street in Griffin and at winspharmacy.net. In our story today, God is reminding us that He is sovereign over every government and every time of history, that even when things are confusing, He can be trusted because He is always up to something. The picture of baby Jesus in the manger is such a great reminder that He is offering us Himself. He can give us true peace, joy, strength. All that He offers us is right there, as an animal would go to the manger for nourishment, so He offers Himself to us. So with that in mind, I leave you with peace for your day and peace for your night.